We're going to be talking about the Christmas story today, which I think is relevant, don't you? Yeah, man. It's a good thing. Sharon Janes tells the story of when she was growing up. Her family lived in a nice neighborhood. They had two kids. They had a dog named Lassie. She said, we look like the all-American family. Inside the walls, though, there was hostility. There was fear. It was brooding with her mom and dad. She said, from the beginning, my parents fought all the time. She said, I really don't remember the first five years of my life, but I do remember heated arguments, outbursts of anger, and periods of passive-aggressive silence. I remember hiding in my closet, holding my hands over my ears, squeezing my eyes shut to block the visual images that accompanied the volatile voices. I remember pulling up the covers under my chin, praying that I would hurry up and go to sleep to shut out the noise of my parents fighting. And as a child, she always felt like she was in the way. Maybe some of you this morning could identify with that. And Sharon writes, strands of inferiority, insecurity, and inadequacy began to weave an invisible yet indelible grid system over my mind. I felt I wasn't good enough, smart enough, or pretty enough to deserve love. By age 12, those feelings of not enough were cemented firmly in place. I was scared, and a scared little girl who kept her mouth shut by day and her eyes closed by night. But God didn't leave me that way. But God. Those are pretty cool words, aren't they? But God, when she was 12, her but God story started. She had a friend, and her friend invited it over, invited Sharon over to her house, and her friend's mom began to take Sharon under her wing. Mr. and Mrs. Henderson loved each other, and they loved Jesus. Mrs. Henderson did her housework while singing praise songs to God. She talked to Jesus and about Jesus as though she knew him personally. So Sharon decided to spend as much time as she could at the Hendersons and started going to church with them after the Saturday night sleepovers. While Sharon's family went to church on Sundays, they had religion. They had it down pretty good, actually. But the Hendersons, they had a relationship with Jesus. And Sharon said that made all the difference. Sharon wanted what they had, and she found every excuse possible to tag along with the Henderson family. Wouldn't you? For sure. She says, for the first time, I caught a glimpse of a heavenly father who loved me so much that he gave his one and only son as a sacrifice for me. I soaked in the truth that Jesus willingly died on the cross to pay the penalty for my sin so I could live in heaven for all eternity. I marveled at the fact that God loved me, not because of how I looked or behaved, but just because I was his. Romans 5.8, but God showed his great love for us by sending Christ to die for us while we were still sinners. 
Sharon said, man, that melted my heart. Mrs. Henderson loved me, shared Jesus with me, and taught me the Bible. When I was 14, she invited me to accept Jesus as my Savior. I did just that. Looking back at those tumultuous days, those troubled days, I was headed for trouble, man. But Mrs. Henderson, without even knowing it, headed Satan off at the pass. At first, Sharon's parents were a little leery about this life change that was going on in her, their daughter's life. But Sharon's love for Christ was hard to resist or deny. Three years later, Sharon's mother placed her faith in Jesus as her Savior. And then, three years after her mother's decision, through a series of incredible events and circumstances, only our Heavenly Father could have orchestrated. Her earthly father gave his life to Jesus as well. In a matter of six years, God worked an incredible miracle, Sharon says, in my family's life. And it all started with one woman, Mrs. Henderson. How will you let God write your story this morning? Well, hopefully you'll let him. Let's go to the book of Luke chapter 2. In your outline, you've got it there. It'll be on the screen. I'm just going to read verse 8 for now, and we'll roll along as we go. That night, there were shepherds staying in the fields nearby, guarding their flocks of sheep. What are you guarding in your life this morning? Father, we thank you, this, we thank you today for Christmas It's a good reminder, Lord, as we go back into history when you left heaven to invade this planet as a baby. Lord, we're so grateful for that. We're grateful that you made that choice, that decision, because we've seen so many life transformations when we allow you to come in and make a difference. So today we pray that you'll make yourself known. Emmanuel, God with us, to those watching online, to those in this auditorium, in a very personal way. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. At first Christmas, no colored lights outside the homes of people in Bethlehem, you know, no stockings over fireplaces in those little homes in Bethlehem, no. Nothing like that. It was just another, another day in that little village. The census had gone out, the command by Caesar that everybody was to be taxed. And of course, we're doing that today as well. Right? Yeah, isn't that fun? It is fun. But, but that first Christmas, man, would change that little village Bethlehem forever. Let's take a look at a map on the, on the screen. Um, you can see um, Jerusalem about two-thirds down, and right underneath it, lit up Bethlehem. That is where Jesus was born. Let's take a look at the village itself. That was, you know, it's a little foggy, but that's an old photograph. You know, it's aged over time, but that kind of gives you an idea of what Bethlehem looked like. Bethlehem was five miles south of Jerusalem. Jerusalem was the religious center of the world of that day. And it's interesting that Jesus 
wasn't born in that religious center. Jerusalem, it would make sense. But instead, he chose to go five miles south into this little village, man, in a very quiet way. But we know it didn't stay that way. All Israel was living in a frightening time historically. They lived under the tyrant King Herod. And King Herod, if you knew him, would take a life without even thinking about it. He was power hungry. He was a, he was an evil man. And that's the environment that this area of the world was living under. Rome had taken over their country. These people that were living there were no longer free to live and do as they wanted. They wondered if Rome would ever leave their country so they could go back to the old way of living. Would this violent rule ever cease? Would their world ever change? Maybe you're thinking about that today as well. Man, our world is changing. That's why it's important that we keep Jesus Christ the center of our individual lives. It is so important. So Christmas became an invasion. 2,000 years ago, Jesus came as a human being. Why? Because God wanted us to know what he was really like. Aren't you glad for that? Indeed, for sure. So number one in your notes, the great good news. Listen, we're going to camp out on this for a while because this is such great news. It's great news, man. Man, when you have great news, you want to talk about it. And that's where we're kind of introduced in verse 8. That night there were shepherds staying in the fields nearby, guarding their flocks of sheep. And suddenly, while they're at work... An angel of the Lord appeared among them, and the radiance of the Lord's glory surrounded them, which would, what, make sense that they were terrified. I would. I'd be terrified. And they were. They were terrified. But the angel reassured them, hey, don't be afraid. I bring you good news that will bring great joy to all people. Notice all people, not a few, not a select, you know. You know, the the high and mighty, those that are very successful in the world. No, for all people. The Savior, yes, the Messiah, the Lord, has been born today in Bethlehem, the city of David. And you will recognize him by this sign. You will find a baby wrapped snugly in strips of cloth lying in a manger. And suddenly the angel was joined by a vast host of others. Man, I wish I could have seen that. The armies of heaven praising God and saying glory to God in the highest and peace on earth to those with whom God is pleased. These shepherds didn't get a postcard, an email, or a text that they needed to go to uh, uh, Jerusalem, you know, that religious community. No, no, no. An angel shows up where they're working. Now, that's interesting, huh? It says, shepherds were staying in the fields nearby, guarding their flocks of sheep. And this first announcement, think about that. The first announcement of Jesus' birth is given by an angel to some anonymous shepherds. Why shepherds? Let's take a look at this. What's a shepherd? Let's take a look at him. There he is. Listen, shepherds, man, when you had a social ladder on the bottom in this culture you would have the lepers they would be on the very bottom 
Lepers were isolated from all society because nobody wanted to catch what they had. So they, they were isolated. And the next person, group of people on the next rung were shepherds. They, they, they had a very bad reputation in their culture. Um, they were outcasts. They were despised by the good, respectable people of the world. Now you think about that. Why wouldn't God announce his arrival to the religious community? Instead, he chooses to go to where really the low end of the stratus of people were, the shepherds. Now, we think of boys in bathrobes. We can take a look. This is when we think of a shepherd. That's what we think of, right? <laughs> some, some, uh, some of our stories we heard this morning, that's how we look. That's how we think. Shepherds were cool, man. They had robes on, you know. Their hair was combed, supposedly. And they looked pretty decent. You know, shepherds were cool. You know, when you got volunteered to be part of that nativity scene, shepherds were, that's the way to go. Back in that first century, there would be no, if we were having a, having a service, a gathering back then, no, there would be no shepherds allowed in this gathering. Because they were looked at as being corrupt. They were liars. Their testimony wouldn't even stand up in court. Because they were known as professional liars and deceit. They would deceive you. And so, in the minds of most people, shepherds were vagrants. They were con men all rolled into one. And here's the thing. Christmas gives a message that there's all access to God. No matter who you are, what you've done, you can come freely into the presence of God. He chose the shepherds. And so think about it. God chose shepherds to be in every nativity scene back then to here we are in 2022. The shepherds are still showing up. Aren't you glad for that? Yeah. God chose a group of people that nobody would vote for. No. They were... Despised. And here Jesus is born as a human. And where does he show up? In an animal trough, feeding trough, a manger, where animals came and had their breakfast, lunch, and dinner. Incredible. Incredible. And so Jesus, God Almighty, revealed himself to the shepherds, the shepherds who had nothing. Now, Jesus is also known, by the way, as the good shepherd. And he's also known as the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Maybe God had a plan to show that Jesus Christ would be that good shepherd. In John 10, verse 11, he says, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd sacrifices his life for the sheep. I am the good shepherd. I know my own sheep and they know me. Just as my father knows me and I know the father, so I sacrifice my life for the sheep. And in the New Testament, we human beings are many times referred to as sheep, and this is what we look like. Oh, there we are. There we are bumping into each other, man. That's what we look like. We're a bunch of sheep. We're classified. Why? Because Jesus is the good shepherd. And... Um, the thing is, with sheep, 
Sheep are known to wander away from the shepherd, right? Aren't they known for that? Isaiah 53, 6, all of us like sheep have strayed away. We have left God's paths to follow our own. And so a sheep away from the shepherd is what? They're lost, right? They're lost. And that word can be very descriptive to how many of us feel. Maybe we feel lost. Maybe we feel like we're just a number. My life doesn't matter. Kind of like what Sharon Janes felt like when she was a little girl, you know? She felt inferior. She felt like she wasn't good enough. Who could love me? That's exactly how these shepherds must have felt because they were on the low end of the stick. Nobody trusted them. Nobody made friends with them. And they're probably thinking, what in the world is going on here? Nobody, nobody would take time to talk to us. And here we've got an angel <laughs> declaring the birth of Jesus Christ, the Son of God. Man, here's the thing, man. As a sheep, if we're lost, we don't find the shepherd. The shepherd finds us. I could say yes to that because I experienced that. I was running from the shepherd. And finally, I had to relent and say, Lord, I give up. And he was right there waiting for me, for me to put my trust in him. Many of you have done that as well. And if you haven't, if you're running from the shepherd, the shepherd is right here, right now, waiting for you to embrace his love for you. And we see that the radiance of the Lord's glory surrounded them, these shepherds. The Lord's glory refers to the majesty and splendor accompanying God's presence. So whatever your circumstances this Christmas morning, let joy and the celebration be your theme, that you trust that the God of the first Christmas is the God of your Christmas today in 2022. Whatever is your circumstances. Tim Chalice, Christian author, writes, Christmas is a happy day for broken hearts. Christmas has always been the most special day of the year for my family. And yet recently, we learned a difficult lesson that most special days can also be the most painful ones, and that sorrows are often amplified in festive times. Tim tells the story of how he lost a family member in the past two years, and Christmas has a way of kind of reopening the wound where you miss your family member. This Christmas falls on a Sunday. We will, of course, gather with the rest of our church to mark the day with worship, singing, prayer, scripture, and preaching. How could we better mark Christmas than like this? What we want to give to worship together is a whole family intact and reunited. And yet we are not without hope and we are not without joy. Although we know Christmas will be a day of sadness, we are also convinced it will be a day of happiness. It must be a day of happiness, for how could we be without joy on Christmas of all days? If Christmas was only an occasion for our family to gather and enjoy one another, we might well despair. But there is far more to it than that. Christmas commemorates a historic event of tremendous significance, not only the birth of a baby, but the advent of our hope. It is on Christmas that we remember Jesus Christ and a narrative of his birth, a baby born to an obscure young girl in an obscure small town 
in an obscure province of the mighty Roman Empire, and yet in all that obscurity cannot belie the fact that this child was special. He was God's own son. There is much about the Christian faith that is unique, but surely nothing more than this, that God entered the world and became flesh and blood human being. We speak often and rightly about Jesus dying upon a cross. We profess that it is through his death that he saves his people, and through his resurrection he promises a future in which every wrong will be made right and every grief will be comforted. But for Jesus to die, he had to live, and for Jesus to live, he had to be born. If we have a hope, we, if we have a hope as a family, it is hope that is rooted and grounded in Christmas. If we have hope that our disrupted family circle will be repaired and restored, it is hope that begins with the birth of Jesus Christ. If we have hope that a day is coming when all our sorrows will be soothed and all our tears will be dried, it is hope that dawns on Christmas morning, celebrating the day Jesus was born to save this world. And so even as we grieve on Christmas, we do not grieve without hope. Christmas is a happy day for broken hearts. When rays of light first pierced the darkness, when hope dawned for a long and excruciating night, the morning when Jesus was born. And so we go back, whatever your circumstances this Christmas, whatever you're going through, not only it can bring pain from the past, but we have the hope. That's why Jesus came. Our lives can be restored. We will be together again one day in heaven. What a day that's going to be. And so, verse 10, I bring you good news that will bring great joy to all people. The Savior, yes, the Messiah, the Lord, has been born today in Bethlehem. It's good news, friend. No matter what's going on in our world today, we have a relationship with Jesus Christ. We have that hope. And we know that this is not our home. And one day we're going to go to heaven. No more pain, no more suffering, no more sickness, no more tears. What a day that will be. And so the purpose of Christmas, the celebration Bringing it to the shepherds, I bring you good news that will bring great joy. It doesn't matter what you've done, your past, where you're headed. This is news for you, man. This is great news. And we know one of the most famous statements in the Bible out of John 3.16, why we celebrate Christmas. For God so loved the world so much that he gave his one and only son, right? Jesus. That anybody, everyone who believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. That's good news. That's great news. And that's the hope that we have. And so the simple message of Christmas is what? I am a sinner. That's what I was. I was a sinner. Second, as a sinner, I need a Savior. That's why Jesus came. Third, Jesus is that Savior. That's great news. You're not here all alone trying to work it out, man. You know, try to be good enough, improve your life. No, Jesus paid it all. You put your trust in him. And then you have a relationship with Almighty God who created you. That's what Christmas is all about. The angel said the good news that will bring great joy to all people. 
Michael Brown, who is a, uh, a Christian author, he says, while we were still enemies, Jesus died for us. May I ask you a candid question? If you're a follower of Jesus today, what kind of person were you before you knew the Lord? Let's put it in rewind. Let's go back into history books. Perhaps you were raised in the faith as far back as you can remember. You always loved the Lord. But others like me can sing amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. And an emphasis on that word wretched, he says. Although I was raised in a fine home, I became a wretched human being. At the age of 14, I, I started getting high. I was shooting heroin at 15. I stole money from my own father. I lied about it to his face. I caused my parents untold grief and pain. I broke into a doctor's office with a friend and stole drugs just to do it. We also broke into a few other homes just for fun. I lied through my teeth to those very same friends, my best friends. I had a cruel tongue. I was mean-spirited. I had a terrible temper. I was full of pride. I mocked God. Are you getting a picture? Are you getting a picture? Yeah, man. You'd say, Michael Brown, it's too late for you. But he said, God saw me when I was lost in my sin. What extraordinary love. What mind-boggling compassion Jesus had for me. What unmerited mercy and favor and grace. I deserve nothing. He gave me everything. We, I merited death. He died in my place on the cross. What can we do in return but give the whole of our lives to a loving and following and serving him with all of our hearts and souls? But there's something else to consider. Jesus saw who we could be, just like those shepherds, just like Sharon Jane's, Jesus could see who we could be. It's true that he saw our sin and our guilt. He knew full well what we deserve. And tragically, if we refuse his grace, we will pay our debt in full. But guess what? Jesus paid it all. He went to the cross in your place. That's the good news. And we see that in verses 13 and 14, suddenly the angel was joined by a vast host of others. So this one angel starts a conversation. He gets these shepherds fired up, and then he calls in reinforcements. It says, it says a vast host of others. That means a great number. That means it's a number that cannot be counted. When you go to Revelation 5.11, it says there were millions of angels singing to the Lord at the throne. Millions. Man, glory to God in the highest and peace on earth to those with whom God is pleased. Man, they were worshiping these angels around the throne and they came to earth to show the shepherds, man, God has chosen you with this great message and you too can become worshipers. So that's something they thought about. It's decision time. Number two, verse 15, when the angels had returned to heaven, the shepherds said to each other, what do you guys think? Should we flip a coin? Boop. See if we go or not? We stay? No, no, no. It says, let's go. Let's go to Bethlehem. Let's go. Let's see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. You know, the cool thing about God is that he did not create robots. You notice that? 
He doesn't have a button up in heaven, and we're forced to do what we don't want to do. No, in his great love, he's given you the freedom to choose, just like he did the shepherds. These shepherds had a choice. Will we go look for Jesus like this angel told us about? Or we've got a job to do. Plus, who are we? We're a bunch of nobodies on this hillside with these sheep. You know, who's ever going to believe us if we go? No, they, they, all of them chose to go look for Jesus. Go and see a baby. Go and see a baby. Is that something for guys? Huh? You think about that. A bunch of guys, you know, playing basketball on the backyard. Hey, let's go look for a baby. Nah, I think I'll stay playing basketball, right? That's kind of about where we'd land. But here you got a bunch of shepherds, and these are dudes, man, because they, they fight off predators for those sheep, so they know what they're doing. They're tough. Yeah, we're going to go look for a baby. We're going to look for a baby in a feeding trough, man. It sounds so exciting. And so they got fired up over it. Let's go, they said, to Bethlehem. Let's see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. Number three, finding Jesus, verse 16. They hurried to the village and found Mary and Joseph. And there was the baby lying in the manger. You go back to verse 12 in this chapter, and you see that's where the, the angel actually told the, the shepherds where they would find him. There was no GPS, you know. There was no Google Maps that they could tap into. They, it says, it wasn't just enough for them to hear about his birth, they went and found. It says that word found and found. That's an interesting word. It means found after a search. So it wasn't, there wasn't, they didn't get a map with a yellow highlight marker. This is where you need to go. This is the address. They're waiting for you. It says found after a search. It took time. So often we get discouraged, man, if we can't find or the answer doesn't come from God right away and we give up. These shepherds pursued it, man. They, they stayed on course to find Jesus. Why? Because they were passionate about it. God had visited them through an angel and challenged them to go find the Son of God. And they said yes to it. Finding Jesus. These shepherds believed. They didn't say, hey, hey guys, let's go see if these things are true. You see, there's no, there's no doubt in them. If, no, no, no. It says, let's see this thing that has happened. Past tense. It's done. We know it's true. Maybe we've known to be liars, but this, this angel that spoke to us, he's telling us the truth. Let's go find out about it. So they believed. The Savior, yes, the Messiah, the Lord, has been born today. They went looking. Luke 19.10, Jesus said he came to seek and to save that which was lost. This great shepherd came to earth to seek and to save that was lost. Great news. Number four, got to tell somebody. Verses 17 through 19, after seeing him, the shepherds told everyone what had happened and what the angel had said to them about this child. And all who heard the shepherd's story were astonished. But Mary kept all these things in her heart and thought of them often. People who hear good news usually need to tell somebody about it. 
Right? Have you noticed that? When our kids were little and they went to the dentist and the dentist said, there's no cavities, they had to tell somebody. No cavities, man. Let's go celebrate and have some ice cream. So they were fired up. They got to tell somebody. This is great news. This is great news. They, gotta, they can't keep it to themselves. They went and they found Jesus in the manger. It happened. It's true. We weren't lied to. How cool is that? We got to tell somebody about it. Can you imagine the crowds in Bethlehem? Shepherds known as being liars, here they are, emphatic about the birth of Jesus Christ. And the crowd began to realize, these guys aren't lying to us. We could see it on their countenance, man. They aren't the same men that we knew before. And so these men went and told somebody, friends, if we have good news, we need to tell somebody, you know? Yo! So on your way out today, there's, there's a little gizmo right by the door that says, invite somebody to church. And you got these invite cards. That's a simple way of doing it, right? <laughs> Plug in, man. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to follow the example of the shepherds. Man, if the shepherds can do it, we can do it. We're good with that. Number five, worship your Savior. The shepherds went back to their flocks, glorifying and praising God for all they had seen and heard. Heard and seen. Sorry about that. It was just as the angel had told them. That word praising, it says they went back to their flocks. In other words, their flocks didn't run away. Maybe an angel stuck around to keep them together, you know. Yeah, the shepherds took off. We'll keep the sheep here. Glorifying and praising God for all they had seen and heard. That word praising means to praise, to celebrate, to celebrate. That's why we come together even on Sundays and throughout the week we can celebrate through worship and praise to God that he is faithful. He's not a liar. He's a savior, my savior. And so they went back and we see that these men, um, God put value on the shepherds, these nobodies that the culture had said, "You're, you're not worth anything. You're not good enough. They realized what God said about them, put value on them. Their identity became, you know what? I'm a man of God. God put value on me. I put my trust in God. He took time to tell me about the birth of his son. These men were radically changed. So it's not what others say about you. It's what God says about you. We see that with the shepherds, man. Max Lucado writes, do you want your city to be free from Satan's grip? Worship. Do you want your home to be loose from the devil? Worship. Do you want nations to be places of peace and prosperity? Then let the church assault Satan's strongholds with joy-filled praise. Woo! That's what it's all about, friends. That's what we endeavor to do at Life Church. We worship and we praise passionately, just like those shepherds, because he is worthy. He's worthy. Matthew one twenty three. Look, the virgin will conceive a child. She will give birth to a son. They will call him Emmanuel, which means God is with us. Isn't it great news? God is with us. 
Rob Van Sickle wrote a Christmas poem back in 1910 entitled, All Hail to Thee, Emmanuel. Emmanuel, God is with us. That same year, the Christian composer Charles Gabriel put it to music. So churches started singing this, this, this hymn, not realizing that Van Sickle himself wasn't even a follower of Jesus Christ, but he wrote this purely out of sentiment. And years later, Van Sickle was in church around Christmas, and a choir started singing his song that he had written years before. And that particular Christmas, he was convicted of his sin, and he placed his faith in Jesus Christ. He gave his heart to Christ after hearing his own carol about God with us. And this morning, God is with you, friend. He wants to be with you. If you've never put your faith in Jesus Christ, today is a great day to do that. Jesus, the great shepherd, became the Lamb of God who takes away our sins. Our sins. Why? Because he loves us so much. And I'd like to encourage you today, man, to put your faith in Christ if you've never done that. If you were like Van Sickle, you know, you come to church, you do your duty, but there's no relationship there, man, today could be that difference maker. That shepherd, that shepherd, Jesus, the good shepherd, is looking for his lost sheep. You could see it right there. That shepherd is looking for the lost sheep passionately. Why? Because of his great love. This Christmas, you can say yes to Jesus. Thank you, Lord, for coming on that first Christmas as a baby, totally vulnerable, growing up, going to a cross to pay for my sin debt in full, not partial, in full. He became my substitute. So today, Jesus, I'm putting my trust in you. I believe you died for me. You took my place. I'm going to invite you to become my spiritual leader right here, right now. Forgive me of my sins. I know you will because you're not a liar. And I'll live for you the rest of my life through the power of your spirit. That's what you can do and say right here, right now. And become part of Van Sickle, Michael Brown, Sharon Janes, who ultimately put their faith in Christ. So, Father, we thank you this morning that we can celebrate the great love of God. And you demonstrated that, Lord, so effectively by allowing Jesus to leave heaven and come to this planet to ultimately become the Lamb of God, the sacrifice, taking our sins for your righteousness. Today, Lord, we thank you for the privilege we have to put our trust in you. I pray for every person online and those in this auditorium today. If they don't know you, today they'll say, Jesus, forgive me of my sins. I'm putting all my trust in you that you took my place on the cross. Thank you for forgiving me. Thank you 
for becoming my spiritual leader. In Jesus' name, amen.